What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That game very, very, very much felt like a 1-2-3 Cancun game. Um, That was awful. That was not competitive. Um, When you're playing a game three and you're down a two, it's kind of win or go home at that point. Like, I don't think any team has ever come back down from 3-0. And just thinking about, like, mathematics like if you're down 3-0 even if you have a 50 percent chance to win each of the next four games it's really 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 hard to do so that's like a six and a half percent chance um that's not that's definitely 100 not right 6.25 percent 25 is one two out of two and then so yeah so it's yeah that, that's not a good chance and the wizards clearly don't have a 50 percent chance to win any of these games so like there's a season right there um it's been fun <laughs> um but yeah i mean obviously i'm gonna do a pod after the wizards probably get swept but you know it's cool um the sixers pretty much um since uh halfway through the third quarter had above a 99 percent chance to win the game per espn's win probability model um the only time like they had an above uh 75 chance to win the game since about halfway through the first quarter um like, that's just not even close to a competitive basketball game. <laughs> like, it sucks. Um, but anyways, uh, we're here. Um, just to go over the overview and four factors, I wrote down um, what the um, offense rating was for the Sixers at um, at the end of the third quarter um, because at that point it wasn't competitive, so I wanted to know what the actual offense rating was. Uh, I have to find it. So it was 137, which is their offense rating after three quarters. Um, if you're unaware, that number is absolutely, like, insane. Um, like that's so much higher than the NBA record for a whole season. Like that's just completely unacceptable to come out and play like that, um, in an elimination game. Um, yes, part of it was the shot making from the 76ers. Like they made 51.5% of their threes. That's absolutely ridiculous. They made 54.3% of their mid range shots. Like that's ridiculous. Like 50% from long mid range is insane. Um, they made 79% of the rim. Like their shot making was unbelievable in this game. Um, 
but the defensive decision making and like some of the matchup stuff, like it, it still didn't make any sense. And like once you get to game three of the series, usually like if it doesn't make sense, it's because the other team adjusted. It's kind of like a back and forth thing, um, kind of like you're seeing like with the I don't know like Trailblazers Nuggets for example. Like they're going back and forth, making decisions like a chess match, right between like Terry Stotts and Mike Malone. This is kind of just like Doc Rivers is playing chess and Scott Brooks is playing tic tac toe. Or <laughs> I don't know, I couldn't think of a game. But like Scott Brooks is, I don't know what he's doing. Um, I know Mike Longombardi runs the defense. I don't know what he's doing at all. Like, the Sixers have kind of just come out and embarrassed the Wizards the last three games. Um, so, overall for the game, the, their offense rating is still 131, which is in the 89th percentile. Like, that's insanely high. Wizards' offense rating for the game was really bad again at 102, which is in the 20th percentile. Um, Sixers' effective field goal percentage was ridiculous, 68.4. Not all of that's the Wizards' fault. Um, Wizards' um, effective field goal percentage of 43.8, which is really bad. That's in the 7th percentile. Um, Sixers' turnover rate was actually really high. They turned the ball over 16% of their possessions, which is um, a high number. Wizards, 7.9% of their possessions were turnovers, which is actually a pretty low number. Good for them. Um, offense rebound rate for both teams is about average. And free throw rate for the Sixers was only 13.8%, which is pretty low. And Wizards was 19.8%, which is about average. Um Yes, yeah, so to go over some of the basic box score stuff for this game, uh, numbers are going to seem not as bad as they actually were because none of the Sixers played in the fourth quarter. Um, to go over some of the Wizards guys first, um, Bradley Beal played 37 minutes in this game. It was minus 29 when he was on the floor. Obviously not his fault. He had 25 points um, on 10 and 26 shooting, one of eight from three. He's really, really struggled from three in this series. Um, and then four of six from the field. So that's 25 points on 28 shooting, or 29 shooting possessions. Not very efficient. Um Russell Westbrook got 26 points on actually like pretty good efficiency. Um, nine of 18 from the field, five of five from the free throw line. Um, so that's 20 and a half shooting possessions or 26 points. That's pretty good. Also had um, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Like um, him and Beal were probably the only guys who I could say played like above average in this game. Um, everyone else was just like it's kind of disastrous. Um, like Rui Hachimura, 10 points, four for eight. Like did nothing on defense. Um, nothing in terms of passing, um, as is always the case with him. Like. Alex Len had played 11 minutes, like he didn't look good. Um, Bertans played um, 31 minutes and was. Just, uh, I'll talk about him. I'll talk about him in a second. But eight points, one to five from three, two to six from the field, and three three at the line. Um, Daniel Gafford had 16 points, but I'll talk about why. Like he was kind of a disaster out there. Um, that's pretty much it. Like Garrison Matthews um, got to the free throw line for after a three shot foul and made three free throws. That's great. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, for any significant Wizards guys, um, obviously the most significant guy for the Sixers was Ben or Joel Embiid. Um, it's been Ben Simmons for the first few games. This game was clearly Joel Embiid. Um, well, eh, maybe not clearly. Um, but <laughs> 36 points, 14 of 18 from the field, 5 of 7 at the line, 3 of 4 from 3. Um, he was ridiculous in this game, plus 29 um, were the Sixers when he was on the floor. Um, so those 36 points coming on 21 and a half shooting possessions, that's absolutely insane. Um, ben Simmons had 14 points, what nine assists, five rebounds, seven to ten from the field. Um, six zero plus 27 to him. Oh, just to go over the starters plus minus. Tobias Harris plus 29, Danny Green plus 32, Ben Joel Embiid like I said plus 29, Ben Simmons like I said plus 27, and then Seth Curry plus 30. Um, Seth Curry 15 points on 11 shots. Um, Tobias Harris had 20 points on 14 shots and two free throws, so 15 shooting possessions. And Danny Green. Had 15 points, only shot nine shots, and all of them were threes, and he was a ridiculous five for nine on threes. Sixers bench didn't really do much, um, but they didn't need to. Um, I mean, like, Matisse Eibel came in, he played good defense. Like, Tyrese Maxey um, filled in his role off the bench, and, like, obviously George Hill always fills in his role off the bench. Like, their role players were nice in this game, but the Sixers just absolutely, like, their starters just demolished the Wizards. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so the first thing I, I do want to talk about is the adjustment that the Wizards made to guard Embiid. Oh, boy. Um, so Joel Embiid, as I said, absolutely, like, just killed the Wizards in this game. Like, it, it was bad. It was ugly how bad he killed them. So what I had been calling for the Wizards to do since the preview um, pod for this series was to double Embiid um, in a variety of ways. Um, you can double Embiid based on like where it comes from, like the Wizards in the first few games are bringing from the baseline every time. I've explained a lot why I didn't get that strategy, um, but you can do it from one pass away. You can do it off a certain player who would probably be Ben Simmons or maybe like maybe Danny Green, maybe Seth Curry, maybe Tobias Harris, someone else, and then um, you have someone split two on the weak side, um, or you can just do it from like um, the second the second highest guy on the weak side or I guess second lowest, or you can do it the second highest, I guess. You can basically pick out wherever you want on the floor, like one pass away, whatever, from as, for where you want to double from. Um, and then, so there you have four different places you can double from. Um, and then you can do it based off how many dribbles. Um, you can do it right on the catch. Um, you can do it based, like, based off like a count, like one second. Um, you can do it based off how many dribbles, one dribble, two dribble, whatever. Um, so if I were the Wizards, like I've said a million times, I would... Just mix it up. Make his reads harder. Yes, Joel Embiid has gotten better as a playmaker. He showed that in the last game. But he showed that in the last game to me because the his reads were so easy and so consistent because they were doubling from the same spot every time. So I'm the adjustment that I would make out of that wouldn't be, okay, this guy has figured out our defense, so let's just not double. It would be, okay, this guy's figured out our defense, so let's add more to it. We have two days of prep. We just had two days of prep before that. And before that, we had a day of prep. And before that, we had two days of prep. So what am I going to do with that time? I'm going to go to my guys who I know are starting and I'm going to teach them where we're going to double from. We're going to have different calls um, for when we want to double in different ways. Um, we're going to um, really work on our communication. We're going to explain this through walkthroughs, through practices, all that stuff. And coming into this game, we're going to have a plan and we're going to really, really confuse Joel Embiid and we're going to try to stop him. And if someone else beats us and someone else beats us and we'll live with that. Um, didn't happen. Never happened. They played Joel Embiid straight up in this game, which is the stupidest I don't want to be. I don't want to be too mean, but like that's absolutely like ridiculous. Like it's game three, and that's what you try. You say, okay, Joel Embiid. Like if you know if you kind of cook our centers that aren't very good at post defense, even though you're like clearly the best post player in the league, um, in terms of scoring, then fine, uh, we'll live it. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you just play Joel Embiid straight up? Like Alex Len is Wizards' best post defender. Alex Len played 11 minutes in this game. Did not do a great job on Joel Embiid. So they bring in Daniel Gafford. He was an absolute disaster on Joel Embiid. He had zero shot. And anyone knew this. Like, no one could have possibly expected Daniel Gafford at this point in his career, in his third season. He was about 22 years old. He needs so much work in terms of um, defensive discipline, in terms of positioning, in terms of, like, where to put his hands, in terms of just strength, in terms of his lower body. Like, he just has no lower body or core strength at this point, which makes perfect sense because he's so young. Like, he had no shot. That was so unfair to him to have him expect him to guard Joel Embiid one-on-one in the post. Like, that's just an impossible matchup for him. There's no possible way he could have... Um, succeeded in that situation and he didn't he got destroyed and I'm 100% not blaming it on him because anyone who's watched any Daniel Gafford film this entire season could have told you that he had no shot against Joel Embiid that made no sense Robin Lopez is not a good post defender Robin Lopez should never ever ever guard Joel Embiid one-on-one post and expect that to go well it doesn't make any sense for his whole career he's been a bad post defender what are we doing here like it doesn't make sense to me like okay so we're just gonna let Joel Embiid be like it doesn't make any sense. I want to look at Joel Embiid's um, shot chart super quick. 
Um, but yeah, that that made me upset. Like, I don't know. It just it kind of feels like stuff that shouldn't really be that complicated for the Wizards. And I don't know. Um, Joel Embiid got to the restricted area six times and was five for six. Five of seven for mid range from him is insane. Um, you can't really do much about that. But one of one from um, floater range, and then three or four from above the break three. Like his shot making was really, really, really good in this game. But whenever he really, really wanted to, he could get into that restricted area and finish. Um, an adjustment that the Wizards eventually made was not doubling, but kind of not stunting, not digging, but kind of just standing in no man's land, like standing halfway in between their own man and Ben or Joel Embiid from both one and two passes away. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything. What does that do? So Joel Embiid can kick out to a wide open man or he can just go to work with no help. What's the point of that? Like they're bringing a double eventually if Joel Embiid turned, if they saw Joel Embiid's back, but Joel, it didn't matter because it was just a guard. It was just Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, or like Howell Neto, like whoever, a guard contesting a Joel Embiid like shot, like mid-range jumper. Like that's not going to do anything. That's not providing value. If you're going to be in that position, you have to at least A, stunt or B, double. Um, or dig or something like do something like that doesn't make any sense I just I hated I've hated the wizard strategy and guarding Joel Embiid all series long and I hated their strategy in this game it, and like this series has been embarrassing the Wizards defense in this series has been bad a lot of that does fall on the shoulders of other players but I think a ton of it also falls on the shoulders of the coaching staff for not putting them in a position to succeed and it's it's really really frustrating um so yeah, let's talk, do you want to talk about um, Ben Simmons? Because Ben Simmons demolished the Wizards' defense. Um, when Ben Simmons is getting rebounds and pushing the ball in transition the way he was in this game, he's tough to stop for the certain personnel the Wizards have because who is going to stop Ben Simmons by themselves in transition? The answer is no one. So you kind of have to throw multiple guys. At, like Okay, so at first, um, for the th- first like quarter, quarter and a half, um, they were trying to stop him with one guy in transition. Normally, it's someone like Bradley Beal, who'd be getting back, right? Not going after an offensive rebound because Russell Westbrook tends to go after most offensive rebounds, so he's not coming back on transition. It's going to be Bradley Beal, Dots Rattans, um, who else is in the starting lineup? Like Rui Hachimura, like these guys in the open floor against Ben Simmons have no chance. So he's either getting to the rim and finding an open, like, an open kickout because Danny Green and... Um, What's his face? Seth Curry are both really, really, really good at getting wide, um, getting to those corners really quickly in transition to get open corner threes. Or Ben Simmons can just go shoot a layup. And that happened a bunch in transition. The Wizards got demolished. Um, so the adjustment to Ben Simmons killing transition is you kind of have to build a wall a little bit. You have to send multi- you have to show multiple bodies towards him before he gets into the paint. When you do that, you still have the issues of Seth Curry and Danny Green running wide to the um, deep corner and them just getting open shots. Danny Green made like a million corner threes. And actually, I can pull this up. I know how many. So Danny Green made, um, he was two for two from the right corner or one from the left corner and three or six above the break. A lot of his work was done in transition in this game. Um, it shouldn't happen. And what a lot of teams do in the NBA is they send all of their guys back after a rebound. Now the Wizards don't do that. They send Russell Westbrook out um, to get um, offensive rebounds. And what that does is that allows the Sixers to have advantageous situations where they have Ben Simmons running down the floor with Embiid or Tobias Harris trailing and then two really good shooters going towards those corners and they just score every single time. <laughs> or not every time, that's obviously an exaggeration, but like off live rebounds, the Sixers' um, transition frequency in this game was 36.4%, which is a really, really high number. Um, 
In terms of all transition, their frequency um, of transition offense in this game was 19%, which is in the 90th percentile. That's a really high number. Um, you can't allow that in the playoffs. Like I've done a lot of like I've read research on this. I've done research on this. Like the game normally slows down a lot in the playoffs. Um, that's because most teams they kind of just say forget offensive rebounds. Like they're not as valuable as getting back in transition because transition offense is so much better um, than half court offense. Like it's not even close. So you just in those situations you let the other team get defensive rebounds and you get back and you force them to play in half court sets. Now, the problem with that, with that is that the Sixers were insanely good in half-court sets in this game. They Their points per 100 plays in the half-court was 123.1, which is in the 95th percentile. That's a ridiculous number. But despite that, you still need to get back in transition. You can't get them wide-open threes. Those are backbreakers. Um, they're even getting, like, transition looks like there's one play off of free throw where they got a wide-open three for, like, I believe it was Danny Green um, in the corner. You cannot allow that. That's... We're in the third game. We're in the third game of the playoffs at this point. And the Wizards have had insane breaks. You've had like two days off between every game. So at this point, it should be nailed in. You should have your game plan nailed down. Like, it should be better than this. It just should. This looks like a, this looks like a game one. Like, that's embarrassing. Um, it's an embarrassing failure of the coaching staff. Like, if we're being completely honest, that's to me, that's what it is. Um, I really don't think that like Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, like, are really out here and they like, can't execute a game plan. I believe that Dobbs Rattans, Rui Hachimura, like these guys, like Alex Lynn, like they've at least been in the league a little bit. Like I think that they can execute a game plan if they're really, really given a really, really good one um, to at least like be somewhat competitive in a game at least, in half the game at least, like in two and a half, three quarters, um, at least have it be like within like, you know, 10, 15 points. Going to, like this, this has just been embarrassing. Um, and I put, I just put it on Scott Brooks. Like, just 100%. Like, I don't... There's no world that I can see that he comes back next year. Like, if you're really, really watching these games. Like, I don't see how you can advocate for that. I just... Like, this is... And, like, Doc Rivers is known. Like, he did a... Doc Rivers did a bad job last year in the playoffs against Mike Malone. He... Like, Rick Carlisle and Mike Malone just watched the floor with him in the playoffs last year in terms of adjustments. And Scott and Doc Rivers is watching the floor with Scott Brooks. That tells you how good of a coach I think Scott Brooks is. I think he's... Like, if the Wizards renew his contract this offseason, like, I'm going to do an emergency podcast and be screaming out like my lungs out like man i don't know okay we've gotten too far off course um in terms of talking about this game um i do want to talk a little bit about um tobias harris i guess um tobias harris like first of all seth curry and danny green like if they're hitting that many shots um it's really really tough for your defense but i don't understand switching and i don't understand having Bertans guarding seth curry um, Breton started in this game. I think that, like, I, I have no problem with that adjustment. Um, you kind of need a little bit more size out there. Um, and then you need more shooting out there, especially to pair with Russell Westbrook to space the floor for him, and especially for Bradley Beal to space the floor for him. Um, so I get that adjustment, right? Um, but you have to put Bertans on someone defensively. Um, and you have had, like, they put, they had Russell Westbrook guarding Tobias Harris a lot and Rui Hachimura guarding Ben Simmons a lot. Um, that, like, obviously, that didn't work, but, like, I, I like mixing it up. Um, but then you have to put someone, obviously Alex Len on Joel Embiid, and then you have to put someone on Seth Curry. I'd much rather that be Bradley Beal. I don't understand why that was Davis Bertans. I'd rather ha- like I guess you have to conserve Bradley Beal for offense, and you have to put him on Danny Green, who flies around like drag screen, not drag screens, um, like flares and um, pin downs and staggers, like way, way, way less than Seth Curry. Um, so just from an energy conservation standpoint, I guess I get that. But Dobbs or Tons, he was a disaster. He was a straight-up disaster. Um, they started him. 
his defense was so bad. Um, like he, he, I don't understand why he's ever used as a guy. Well, I guess I explained it right one second ago, but like him being used as someone to lock and trail small shooters never, ever, ever works. He's just, he doesn't have the agility to do it. He is so poor with his footwork defensively. Um, he, like I said, he doesn't have the agility. His technique is pretty bad. Like his back is pretty hunched over. He doesn't really, he's not, he can't really like move his hips. Like he can't get into stance at all defensively. Like he needs a lot of work. Like he needs like someone to work, like a coach to work on, like really work on his flexibility, really work on his stance. He needs to put on some weight. Like he needs a lot of work, um, to just to be a viable defender in a playoff situation. Um, cause if the Wizards ever have hope, um, of having him being like a starting caliber player, a 30 minute night player on a team that's like a potential like conference finals team, I guess, like that's probably the goal, right? Or just at least to make the second round. Um, Dazertan is going to get picked on if the Wizards are playing in an actual series. Um, with how bad he is defensively right now. He needs so much work. Um, and he still has four years left on his contract after that, so we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, but he's like, what, 27 years old? I don't know how much defensive improvement can happen at this point or like flexibility improvement or like agility improvement. According, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's kind of troublesome to me um, that he still has four years left and however, many, however much money. Um, that contract's looking pretty weak at this point. Um, do I want to talk about Bradley Beal? Like, Bradley Beal is really good. I don't know what else to say. Like, he has no help. They were really, really, like, emphasizing collapsing on him. They weren't guarding Russ Westbrook at all on the perimeter. They weren't really guarding Rui Hachimura at all. Obviously, they weren't guarding Ishmith at all. Like, they were just collapsing on him. He still found a way to score a bunch of points. Like, his shot making at this point is insane. His shot creation is really good. He's so good at flying around screens. He's so good at using screens at this point, too, to try to get um, space against Ben Simmons. Like, he, like he's even at this point just creating space against Ben Simmons straight up off the dribble. Like, Bradley Beal is insane. Like, he has some great finishes around the rim. Um, and look, he was 0 of 6 from above the break 3 in this game. If he's, like, you probably expect him to be 2 for 6. If he's 2 for 6, all of a sudden, like, he has a really, like, pretty solid, efficient night. Um so yeah just going over shot chart he got to the restricted area four times which is kind of crazy for how they were defending him he made three one to five from floater range five and nine from mid-range one to two from corner three and then oh of six from above the break like Bradley Beal's insane um I think that Russ Westbrook also had a pretty solid game um just really really pushing the tempo um trying to get um going in early offense um that's really really his game because like in the half court it's it's so tough for him especially if he's unwilling to really set screens or like really work and dribble handoffs or Scott Brooks isn't putting him in those opportunities which I think is another issue like I think there's paths to success for Russell Westbrook in half court offense um if you have a really really innovative coach um like I'm talking like you know the Eric Spolsters Brad Stevens um Rick Carlisle's of the world, um, not the Scott Brooks of the world. Like, I I truly, truly think that Scott Brooks is, like, near the bottom of the league in terms of um, how good he is as a coach. Um, like, Russell Westbrook, um, he actually was 3 for 5 from 3, which is unsustainable. 3 or 4 from mid-range, unsustainable. But he got into the paint 8 times, um, and he was only 3 of 8 inside the paint, which is, like, lower than you'd expect out of him. Um, so, like, I think Russell Westbrook had a good night. I thought he was making plays out there. Um, he was pushing the ball in transition. He was trying to at least generate some offense. He played hard. Like, that's what he's going to do. Um, so I'm cool with the game. <laughs> like, like I said, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, to me, are the only two guys that played above average in this game. Um, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> because the other team had, like, six guys play above what you could have probably expected out of them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what else to say. Like, how far? 21 minutes. Um, I'm trying to think. About what else I want to talk? Oh, let's talk about lineups. Um, why isn't Garrison Matthews playing? Like, 
why is Anthony Gill ahead of the rotation um, over Garrison Matthews? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Garrison, you need shooting around Bradley Beal. Like I said, they're going to help so far off other guys that it just makes Bradley Beal's life so hard as a scorer. And also, Russell Westbrook, his life is really, really hard as a scorer, especially if he's kicking out to record scratch. Um, like, record scratches. Like, he creates a ton of shots. He creates, um, you know, collapsing defenses. Like, he can bend the defense in a way um, in early offense or transition that not a lot of guys in the league can do. But he has no one else to, like, spread the ball out to. So it it's really, really tough for the Wizards to generate offense if they don't have shooting out there. You have a shooter in Garrison Matthews who is a legit, like, really, really good shooter. And Garrison Matthews, I don't think, is a defensive liability. I think he's a probably, like, just about an average defender. Like, I like his on-ball stuff. Like I've said, like, his off-ball stuff is not good. But I 100% think that you can throw Garrison Matthews out there and say, like, Garrison Matthews, like, go just lock and trail Seth Curry. Don't worry about anything else besides locking and trailing Seth Curry. If for some reason you're off of him, um, go, like, close out a million miles an hour and try to get a contest on his shot. Um, that's your role defensively. Simple as that. Offensively, fly around screens, um, you know, rise whenever, like, you know, baseline drift, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then if you catch the ball and you have space, shoot it. And that's it. Like, and chase really, really hard over screens, all that kind of stuff. Like, why isn't, like, he should be starting. If I were the coach, I would not start Bertans. I'd be starting Garrison Matthews. And I'd probably be starting Daniel Gafford because he gives you a little bit more offensively, but that's a different story. Like, I probably wouldn't play Alex Lynn at all because I wouldn't be guarding Joel Embiid one-on-one in the post, period. I don't think that makes sense. Um, but anyways, like, I'd straight up be starting Garrison Matthews. I'd be starting Garrison Matthews over Dallas Bertans. I just think that he fits too well on this team. Like, it doesn't make, it makes zero sense to me that he's out of the rotation. I think that he's 100%, like, I don't know. I don't know how many other people on earth share that opinion with me. Like, probably just me, Garrison Matthews' mom, um, I know Mike Prado loves Garrison Matthews. Um, that's probably it. <laughs> Just those three people forming your own Garrison Matthews fan club. Um, another guy like Isak Bonga. Can we try him? Like, can we try him above Anthony Gill, please? Like, at least he can play defense. Um, a thing that's been like really, really been the Wizards' downfall, which seems more correctable than the offense, is the defense. Um, and Isak Bonga is probably your best perimeter defender. He's six eight. He has long arms. Like, he can move his feet. Just throw him out there. Say go guard Ben Simmons or go guard um, Tobias Harris or go like, you know, double Ben Simmons once in a while. Go provide some rim help, um, you know, get some steals, be in passing lanes, use active hands, like do something like Wizards have no defense. Their bench is just awful defensively with like Ishmith, how Neto, like, yeah, there's like, they're fine defender. Like Ishmith knows what he's doing positionally and like how Neto, like, I think it's like pretty solid on like guards, um, like bigger, stronger guards. But like those guys are like six one, six feet tall, like they cannot play extended minutes against this team um and like expect you can't expect to have a good defense with those two guys out there um you can't expect to have a like really really good defense against this team with robin lopez guarding ben Simmons or joel and beat straight up like that doesn't make any sense that's less or like even like Daz Rutan's out there Hachimura is getting cooked constantly um he's a bad matchup for this particular series like throw isak bonga out there please just see what happens like i don't understand it just makes no sense it, it really doesn't um yeah, that's all I have to say. That game was really disappointing. Um, like, I didn't expect the Wizards to win, um, but I expected them to compete and expected to see some adjustments that made sense. And I didn't really see much of that. Um, so, yeah, I'll go through my notes, and that'll be that um, for this game. First one I wrote was, like, matchups are more varied early. Um, yeah, like, I could... It was hard to get a feel of, like, who was actually matching up with who early. Part of that was because the Sixers were attacking more in early offense. Part of that was just like random cross-matching and like so much switching going on between one through four that like some of it doesn't make sense. Um, 
Got an automatic double on the first post up, and that continued, and I was disappointed. Um, Russ is no longer on Simmons. He's start, he's still killing them early with a huge advantage in size and athleticism with whatever the matchup is. Um, ben Simmons has been massive in this series. Like He's been really, really, really good. Um, Sixers are really killing the Wizards in transition, getting wide and deep. Talked about that a lot. Um, Bertans started having a bunch of defensive breakdowns like he was bad. Um, Maxi getting minutes early. Looks pretty solid on both ends. I like the game that Maxi had. He got in the rotation before Shake Milton, which usually doesn't happen, and also before Furkan Korkmaz, um, who are both shooting guards. Um, I mean, I guess Maxi's like kind of the backup point guard, I guess. Um, well, I guess George Hill is the backup point guard. I don't really know. But like Maxi, I thought they're good. Um, Wizards are making him some zone with some poor results. Uh, Sixers are getting a lot of backdoor layups and a lot of three-point open looks. Yeah, Wizard Zone is kind of like I get trying to play some junk defenses against the Sixers team that like killing them so much offensively. Like I like trying to throw stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, zone defense did not stick. <laughs> um, Russ is attacking more here, which is very welcome in sizes. Um, they have three players we can't guard. That sentence did not make sense. I don't know what the heck I said. <laughs> um, Crossmasters are demolishing the Wizards. Danny Green is the main culprit of that. A lot of it is also coming off offensive, switching the ball in transition. Multiple guys need to stop him. Talked about that. Um, it's game three. How can you possibly be jumping on <laughs> ball fakes? Oh, my God. Daniel Gafford, like, I tried to cut him some slack at the beginning, but, like, you cannot. It's game three. You can't be jumping at Joel Embiid ball fakes or pump fakes um, from the three-point line. And, like, those really, really, like, exaggerated pump fakes, how could you possibly jump at that? Like, come on now. Um, no automatic doubles in, on a beat are not working. Um, not sure why Breton's ever guards a small shooter incapable of staying attached. Uh, I wrote in the third quarter, play Matthews, please. And then my next note was Gafford has a 0% chance to guard Embiid. And then the next note was Gill comes in before Matthews, come on now, dot, dot, dot. And then <laughs> my next note was not helping on Embiid, but bringing no but bringing no man's help, just stupid. And then my last note for the third quarter was picking up and transition has been so terribly bad in this game for the Wizards. Yeah, that game was ugly. Um, the next game uh, is on Monday at 7 o'clock. Um, I assume it's going to be the last game of the Wizards' season. Maybe they're going to prove me wrong. You never know, um, but we'll see. That was that game was pretty lifeless. Like I said, it was a 1-2-3 Cancun game. Um, so, yeah, but check that out. I'll still have a podcast coming out that night, um, and I'll still be watching that game. So, you know, <laughs> got to be a fan till the bitter end. Um, so, yeah, so check that out. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.